0: Welcome everyone to the Washington Financial Group Fiduciary Fitness Podcast Series. So my name is Colin Clark, Senior Vice President of Retirement here at the uh, Washington Finance Group Hub mid Atlantic. And we're back again with Jennifer Amato, who's a CPA and she's a director at SCNH. And we just wanted to continue talking about audits and how as a plan sponsor you can be fully prepared and you're you're making sure that you're looking at everything going on right now. And and so our next topic today is we wanted to talk about how plans are responding to the CARES Act. I know that, uh, Jennifer, we talk a lot about the CARES Act in every meeting we have with our clients. What are the things that you're seeing and how are people responding to the, the CARES Act uh, changes? Sure.
1: So um, I think it's, it's really across the board. Um, I think there's a lot of different, I guess, philosophies on it and whether or not some of these things are, are necessary. Obviously, some of the provisions are mandatory, some are optional. And the optional ones, like the coronavirus distributions, um, the additional distributions that they can take out of the plan um, if they're obviously a qualified individual. Um, we've seen some plans adopt everything, we've seen some plans adopt pieces of it. And then we've seen some plans only do what was required. And their thought process was that they knew their workforce. So if they, at least as a company plan sponsor, had not been that adversely affected by COVID-19 from a standpoint of layoffs, furloughs, things like that, some of those people haven't been implementing any of the optional provisions. You know, obviously there's still a risk that someone's spouse, someone's significant other may have been affected by covid nineteen or you know maybe that person was affected because of a spouse or or a significant other so I think there's still reason for those plans to potentially think think about amending but overall it's been probably in the middle um, I would say most people are adopting just because there's You know, they've kind of felt there's no harm in doing it. And it was a goodwill gesture to their employees in case it was needed, because obviously we're not out of this yet. (laughs) But some, like I said, some, mostly the organizations that at least from their perspective were not too adversely affected by COVID-19 with regards to, you know, their revenue, their workforce, you know, and maybe the industry that, that they operate in haven't been, you know, haven't been doing all of them. What I've also seen is that more of the companies that are on the prototype plans are going and adopting maybe a little more than the individually designed plans are. Um, that's not obviously a steadfast rule, but a lot of times it's easier easier to do those those amendments when you're on that prototype or volume submitter type plan because you have that that resource available to you as opposed to needing to go out and you know with an individually designed plan go out and have your 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 individually designed plan an amendment written specifically for that. So, um, not to say people haven't been.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and I would say depending on what record keeper you have, I've seen some record keepers. Be very proactive and say, "Hey, you yes. have to opt out." And I've seen record keepers that say, "You have to opt in," and then there's in between. I mean, how do you feel about
1: that? Yeah, I would, I would, I would say that's probably the case. If I think without without calling out certain record keepers, I'm thinking about my plans, some of the record keepers we have definitely seen more of those plans amending. Than, than others. I think the other thing to to, to realize that is I, sometimes I think plan sponsors might not realize, even though it is you know written in the in the in the CARES Act, is that the most important thing to do is get the plan amended in practice. Just like with any any new regulation, any new ruling that comes out, there is a grace period for when you have to have the plan formally amended by. So you know it's not like you have to if you want to adopt this today, you have to make sure you have your signed amendment in place today. There is, a, there is, there is that grace period that, that is given because again, the important part is that you are if, if you want or need to amend this for your plan participants that you're doing that piece at least from a procedural perspective in a timely manner because obviously this is this is a lot of times a situation of time is of the essence. These people have been currently affected and they need that money right now.
0: Well, that's a great point, and, and I think with a lot of our clients, we've seen more and more clients take a wait-and-see approach, because you're, you're correct, mm-hmm. people have been affected in different ways by the pandemic, and so right. these things are available, but why go through the, the whole exercise of amending the plan? Because some of these provisions are, are, you know, we don't necessarily agree with all of them, because while it gives people access, you know, we call that leakage in the business, uh um, we don't want people tapping into their retirement. People have needs and people are affected in different ways. Um sure. we don't think of this as maybe a last resort. So we we see more and more clients taking a, a wait and see approach because you're right, you don't have to adopt these things immediately. So there there's been a grace period given, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think I, I think to your point, Colin, on that, it's the company knowing their employee base right the company knowing because there's some there's some some of our clients that actually uh, amended their plan and have seen no real activity but to your point if you know that there could be leakage out of the plan um, and maybe too much leakage out of the plan and maybe non-warranted leakage out of the plan you know, that that is a risk. That does make sense with, you know, some of your clients doing more of that wait and see approach. I mean, I guess the good thing with with these provisions is, you know, it is only if you are a qualified individual. With that perspective, you you could, to your point, have people saying that they're a qualified individual under the under the definition in the code and maybe they aren't.
0: Correct and it is it is definitely like a trust factor there and people there's not you know you don't have to provide any proof. So fortunately there's no fiduciary liability from that standpoint under the under the cares act. Mm-hmm. Right. So hey Jen this is this is a great discussion. Thank you so much for being a part. Of yeah. That. So Jen thanks great. again and we'll talk Thank to you. Thank you again. Colin. Yeah, we'll talk to you
1: again. All right. Bye.
2: That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our show, we'd love for you to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you access your podcasts. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice offered through Global Retirement Partners, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Global Retirement Partners, Washington Financial Group, a division of Hub International Mid-Atlantic, and Hub International are not affiliated with LPL Financial. Global Retirement Partners, LPL Financial, Washington Financial Group, and Hub International are not affiliated in any way with the services offered by any guest on this show.